You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Hello, hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo. Kyle, hello. We have an action-packed special episode tonight, but first, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Tom. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, Looking forward to the show. We're going to have three special guests on tonight. Really looking forward to it. Uh, We're going to have the Three Man Weave podcast on our show. AJ Etter-Williams, Brian Cannon, and Donald Hill. Really looking forward to having them on in just about four minutes from now. Uh, Before we get there, folks, remember to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all our social media platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel on the Anchor. Uh, I'm sorry, our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. I just want to give a couple of quick shout outs uh, before we bring up our guests over the next couple of minutes. First off, I want to congratulate... uh, Good friend of mine, Jay Mirable, on being inducted into the WCWP Hall of Fame. That was my college radio station. In fact, that's where, Kyle, we used to host this show. So, yeah. uh, Jay, really appreciate you being a big supporter of the show, and congratulations. Um, and then um, another quick little sad note, um, former NFL quarterback Colt Brennan passing away today at the age of 37. Um, he was believed to have been at a rehab center in California, um, former sixth round pick by formerly known as the Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team back in 2008. Now, why is this relevant to tonight's show? Well, uh, Brennan had 58 touchdown passes while he was a, I think he was a sophomore at Hawaii in 2006. That record stood for most touchdown passes thrown in a season at the college level until two years ago, Kyle. And a kid you and I both know really well. In fact, he's the quarterback of uh, AJ Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow broke that record with 60 in 2019. Um, Brennan was a college gem referred to as the sidearm slinger. Uh, Just wanted your thought on that. Yeah, no, it's sad, man, to hear a story like that. A lot of these guys, you know, you're hearing not similar stories, but, but stories after football. And it doesn't, you know, sometimes it's sad stories. And it's just, it's very... I don't want to say depressing, but just, you know, what could have been such a prolific college athlete. And then to to see this happen to him, he was only 37, right? Right. Yeah. So a whole life to live just taken away too soon. It's really disappointing, really depressing as well. But uh, sad to hear the news, but may he rest in peace. Yeah. um, You know, obviously Brennan had some off the field stuff, but, um, you know, good athlete. Now, I know um, another thing, too, we have one minute before we bring up Three Man Weave again. Folks, if you're just tuning in, make sure to check us out tonight. Share this podcast with your friends. If you want to comment in the live stream, really appreciate it. We have three excellent guests about to come up. So um, 
yes, that was um, that was our intro segment. And now we're going to get into Tim Tebow being signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we will talk about the Cincinnati Bengals mock draft, uh, draft recap, the Washington football team draft recap, the Dallas Cowboys draft recap, and we will talk some NBA playoffs. I know, Kyle, you're a huge basketball guy. You're Miami Heat. We're in the finals last year, so you're very excited to talk about that. But without further ado, Let's bring up our three very special guests, starting off with Donald Hill, What's going Brian on? Cannon, and Mr. Williams, A.J. Etter Williams. Guys, how's it going? What's happening? What's happening, guys? It's uh, pretty good, guys. It's an honor for you to have us up here, and thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, definitely. We appreciate it. Absolutely. It's uh, It's been a while. I know Hill, I think Hill actually added me in a comment one time, like we got to get on a show together, but uh, happy to finally have that day come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we can we can hear you, Hill. A little audio issue, Donald. Plug it all the way in. He he always forget to plug it all the way in. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I'm sure we'll get that squared away. Um, but I want to thank the three of you for joining us here tonight. Uh, really appreciate it. Before we get into the topics of the show, actually, want you guys to plug your podcast and where the listeners can find you guys. Absolutely, man. Uh, we are the Three Man Weave Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, uh, podcast app on Apple, Google Play Store, Stitcher, all of it. Uh, you can catch us on Instagram and Twitter, Three Man Weave underscore, and join our Facebook group at Three Man Weave Group. Uh, we do a lot of good things in there, get a lot of uh, engagement, and we have a lot of fun in there also. So um, definitely, uh, I say come check us out. We have some great interviews that we've done in the past. Uh, a couple of the boxers that we have uh, interviewed, they're coming. They're all fighting within the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jaleel Hackett, he's on that Floyd Mayweather, uh, Logan Paul uh, card. So uh, we talked to him, a great fighter out of D.C. Uh, so we have some great uh, interviews on our channel as well. So um, we appreciate you guys for having us, and we're here to have some fun. Awesome. Hopefully we get Hill back up, but uh, I'm sure he'll be up momentarily. But Marcus Cannon Sr., with uh, the comment there, really appreciate it. And, Kyle, I imagine this has to be James backstage. He always does this. He posts from <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me. I wouldn't be typing that in the chat. And, um, <laughs> I also like the name of your podcast, too, guys, because I played basketball in high school, mm-hmm. and I used to get to practice every morning at 6.45 a.m., and one of the first plays we would run mm-hmm. was the three-man weave. Yep. So a <laughs> little fun fact. Yeah, hey, it, it, it was a name that came up perfect because just kind of some of the discussions that we've had, like we say, ball don't touch the floor. Uh, we just keep it moving. Things go seamless for us. We don't do any pre, we don't do any pre-production. We don't really talk about any topics. We just get on and we, and we just start shooting. And, that, and that's how it really goes. And it's always been a great flow. And it seems to really feel organic. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of our supporters really like what we do is just because it's, it's a lot of organic conversation, a lot of just basically barbershop talk, really just get, getting your thoughts off, but educated as well. You know, right. uh, like I said, we do have we, we will call people out <laughs> because we, we want to make sure that you're not just, you know, just giving us a whole bunch of opinion based thoughts. We want some we want we want some factual evidence behind it because just because stats don't always tell the whole story. So you can always argue both sides. But we want to make sure, you know, there's some logic behind what you're telling us and not just ESPN. And if it is your opinion, just say that. I think a lot of people nowadays are not comfortable. They they feel like whatever they believe or what their opinion in is fact. And 
I'm comfortable enough to say that this is just my opinion. Like, I'm not saying that this is true for everybody else, just personally for me. So um, that's one of the things that we do welcome. You know, we we try to be a podcast of the people. So, you know, even though we do give pushback with factual evidence, um, we welcome all opinions and all all type of support and all, you know, trash talk or whatever. Um, So however however supporters want to interact. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate you guys sharing that information with us. Um, you know, Kyle and I are the same way. We're very uh, black and white when it comes to the Giants. We're two polar opposite perspectives from that mm-hmm. team. But um, mm-hmm. all right. Um, let's talk about the first topic I have for you guys tonight and Kyle as well. Tim Tebow expecting to sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I want everyone's take on this. But before we get there, I'm a big Mets fan. I know he retired from the MLB this year, and Tebow, obviously, MLB didn't work out for him. He got as far up as AAA. He Mm -hmm. will now reunite with his former head coach at Florida, Urban Meyer. Tebow obviously played at Florida from 06 to 09, former Heisman Trophy winner. Now, the first question I really want to ask is, how much do you guys think Urban Meyer had to do with this decision to give Tim Tebow another shot in the NFL because it's kind of surprising eight years later like yeah. the, the timing just seems a little crazy don't you think yeah Urban Meyer had everything to do with it if it, if, it, if, if, if it wasn't for Urban Meyer Tim Tebow would be an afterthought no one would be like hmm I wonder what Tim Tebow's doing it's all Urban Meyer and there's been rumblings that people inside the organization are upset that he brought in Tim Tebow so hey you know yeah. it's, a, it's a cheap move in my eyes but you know um, especially when you just to piggyback off, I, I'm in 100% agreement with AJ. When you look at free agent market for tight end, um, it's kind of an it's kind of an insult, you know, to take somebody who's been out of the league just for eight years, just say, oh, you're gonna come in and be better than. And I don't care if it was free agent who didn't do nothing last year. At least he was on a team last year and practicing. At least he's playing the position, yeah, <laughs> running routes. Yeah, yeah, and then on top of that, you didn't. That's this is not even your your natural position at all. So the, for Urban to just think that I, Tim's my guy, he can come in and play tight end for me in the National Football League when he hasn't even coached in it yet is that's kind of far fetched for me. But nepotism at its finest. <laughs> Hell, exactly. Kyle, what do you guys think? No, I couldn't agree more with the guys. It, it's it's absolutely Urban Meyer driven, and that's why, uh, like AJ said, people within the organization were so mad about it. But I'll tell you this: Urban Meyer is putting himself up on a, on a, on a pedestal to ultimately crumble with all these moves that he's that he's made. <laughs> you look at the offseason; they had some of the most money in in, in free agency, mm-hmm. and they got a bunch of no name guys. I was mm-hmm. looking through the list besides Shaquille Griffin, uh, the cornerback out of Seattle. Uh, who mm-hmm. they brought over. I didn't know any of those guys, ultimately. <laughs> they never had been in the spotlight and all that money to be allocated to those guys. Then you look, Trevor Lawrence, no-brainer pick. Mm-hmm. But Travis Etienne, I like the pick, but if the Jags were to do something on offense or do something yeah. for the team as a whole, why would you draft the position that, you know, that was arguably your best player last year in James Robinson? So now with the Tim Tebow signing on top of that, this better be one hell of an offense, one hell of a team. <laughs> <from Aaron Meyer. laughs> Uh, I mean, for a team that, you know, they struggle to, you know, sell tickets, you know, bringing the hometown hero back, you know, preseason sales and, you know, it, it, it's definitely not a football move at, at all. So 
I'm just looking at it from a business standpoint, you know, try to get some revenue, try to do something else, other try to create some buzz because like you said, we didn't forget about every other free agent signing that mm-hmm. they did that they did have. We forgot about their draft. All we're talking about is Tim Tebow. He's a media magnet and and that's exactly but, what he did. But here's here's my thing. You just had the number one overall pick. Trevor, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't drum up the excitement that your franchise needs, just like you're in Jacksonville and just have to think like, listen, I'm in Jacksonville because in, in my eyes, if 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 he pushes Tim, T, Tim Tebow to the 53 man roster and makes it to the season, I think it's going to be a horrible mistake and it's going to st- start making people question the the decisions that Urban Meyer is making as an NFL head coach. Because remember, when Urban first got there, he came under fire for hiring Chris Doyle as that strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. So if he does if he does that and then immediately have to fire him, then you bring in Tim Tebow against some of the organization's wishes, and then you push him to the 53-man roster, and that is a, you know, a shit show, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be tough sledding for Urban Meyer. And he's going to leave in controversy just like he's left every single place else. That's but- Urban for you. But oh, 100%. if I'm getting my shot, I'm doing my way. I don't care. So it's like I'm I'm either going to win my way or I'm either going to crumble my way, just like Kyle said. So it's like, hey. Hey, but what we talk about all the time about these coaches trying to do stuff they way and it fails all the time. Coaches always trying to fit a square are, peg into their round hole. Paul. NFL coaches. He's he's just trying to figure out his way. So it's like maybe that's a comfort piece for him. I I, I take a different look at it, like Hill said. Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a business ploy. Um, uh, but I'm all, I also get what you're saying about if, if Trevor can't excite the fan base, then what are we doing here? Um, uh, but hey, that I'm just trying to put logic to it. I'm not vouching for it. Ain't I'm just saying <laughs> you can't put you can't put football logic, but you know he can't go out there and run spider two wide banana. <laughs> I, I, I I know he can't do that, but he is an athlete. He maybe can do something, um, but I I don't like the move. I don't like the move because it's a it's an insult to guys that's really working out at tight end in, in the position that we're supposed to be respecting the game, um, you know. And if I'm a new coach, I, I want the best players at the as possible as I can get. I don't want a a, a journeyman project. My first my first rodeo. So absolutely, I think. Um, What's important, too, to note here, guys, is you all bring up really good points. Uh, obviously, this deal is expected to be a one-year deal. And Tebow now 33 years old. I mentioned his last NFL appearance in a game was 2012 against the Jets, despite his brief stints with the Pats and the Eagles. Now, Tebow, one thing he did with the Mets was he put on weight. Uh, you know, he was always a, a large player, but now he's 6'3", 245. I mean, he does kind of fit the build of a tight end if taking it from a different perspective here, but we have to remember something. And I brought this up with Kyle before we went live. Everyone's saying, well, the Jaguars tight end room is, is thin. You know, uh, Chris Manhurts and James O'Shaughnessy, they drafted Luke Farrell, who's a blocking tight end. He's not a receiver. I don't know why they drafted him so early. Um, yeah. I think even before Brevin Jordan, but anyway, um, I just don't understand. People are saying he's competing for tight end one. In my opinion, he's competing for a roster spot. He's competing for a roster spot because you can't just say a guy who's been away from the game for eight years is going to come in and do something for you. It's been over 3,000 days. I mean, (laughs) the guy was playing minor league baseball. Like, what type of shape should we expect him to be in? Because, quite frankly, it is a little concerning right now. 
And Tom, you, you made a great point. You said he has put on some weight, you know, now. But I've also put on weight since I stopped playing sports as well. That's kind of what ha- that's kind of what happens. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't I'm I'm not buying into any of this. And like I said before, if he's com- if he's competing for a tight end one, this is this is gonna end completely terrible. When like you like like Cannon said, there's t- there's actual tight ends out there who have had production that are just sitting there waiting. And if anything, they let Tyler like they're like look. Yeah, good. Say, say it, say it, say it. You let you let Tyler Eifert go. I, hey. I'd much I'd much rather have Tyler Eifert for four games than Tim Tebow for seventeen. Why? Because you'd still get more production in those four games from from Tyler Eifert. He had three hundred sixty sixty yards last year. Okay, that that's better than what Tim Tebow's gonna have on what one catch for four. <laughs> How, we don't know. Like, <laughs> but we can, but we, but if we're looking at, if we're looking at what history tells us, we're looking at a 33 year old, we're looking at someone who's never played this position professionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we can pretty much, I, I, I can pretty much, listen, I'm gonna, I'm right here on review, preview, and I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say that he has maybe single digit catches if he makes the roster. Hey. All I don't know time. if he's gonna make a catch in seven on sevens. But we just we just about. Tom just highlighted the tight end room. The tight end room is awful. You just highlighted but Tyler. They, I, but, but, they're, I, but they're way just, better than him. And that's, 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 how do we know that? How do we to, know that? To Hill to Hill's point, that's the only counter argument that, that is, we have that is, to what yeah. you guys. That's the only that's, possible who, counter argument. Who would have thought that Robin Tanyan would have ten touchdown catches at the end of the year for Green Bay? Right. I mean, we Aaron Rodgers going to He's but, playing, he's playing Aaron Rodgers. But but that's but true. but that's, that's what I mean about a guy who's been he's still been playing the position. You see what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. you take yeah. a guy that's playing a position, you plug him in, maybe something can happen, maybe you can get a spark. But we're talking about a guy, he's a rookie at this. But you spoke on what history showed us, right? Then you said what history tells us, right? Yeah. History told us that Tyler Eifert ain't good no more. Yeah, but it, it has told us that we can get four games, three hundred yards, which might be more production in the end than we get from Tebow. It's seventeen games. We're looking <laughs> in seventeen games. It's seventeen games. Stretch that out. Come on, now. <laughs> come, come on, now. Go ahead. I mean, just hey, why not? Y'all the Jags. I'm gonna this go out. A, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Tyler Eifert still has more catches this year than Tim Tebow. <laughs> I'm willing to probably bank on that. Come on now. And very interesting to see what will happen. We'll have to monitor that situation throughout the year. Looking forward to it if we even get that opportunity with Tebow. But yeah. um, I kind of want to move on to all of your teams. So if it's cool, we'll start with AJ's Bengals. Then we'll move on to Washington. And then we'll uh, wrap it up with Dallas and then move on to the NBA. But, I, you know, we're only going to go over about, like, the top five picks for each team. You know, we'll touch on other guys, too, if you guys want. But I kind of want to start with Jamar Chase because – AJ and I, I think we're, yeah, we're on a draft show together on draft night as the pick was being made. And there was this big debate, well, Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell, right? And Mm -hmm. what do you think? I mean, I know you love the pick because he reunites with Joe Burrow. He had 20 touchdowns with him in 2019. Like, I feel like he's the best wide receiver in this class. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you could argue two other names potentially, but. We'll start with you. What are your overall thoughts on that Jamar Chase pick? I thought that was a home run pick for Cincinnati. I love the pick just because, like I said before, I've been saying it all like all, like all offseason. The draft doesn't end in round one. 
And so if 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 we would have gotten Jamar Chase and then we would have, you know, say have like reached for someone on our on our second round pick, I would have been like, okay, I, I then have an issue. But I think that what we did was filled our needs in the draft. That's what that's what you're supposed to do. Our remaining needs. We got talent and we filled a need because we needed an ex receiver. We needed a guard. And that's what we did. We went out and got an ex receiver and a guard. Had we went and got Penne Sewell, who was the receiver that could have came in right away, stepped in and been an ex receiver? So, so that that's my thing. So Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall. But he had, but Terrence Marshall has had injury concerns, and even with Ter- Terrence Marshall, we don't know with how he's going to come in because once again, he was number three on that on that depth chart when he was in LSU. He was number three yeah. last year, bro. Everybody was number three last year. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you, you, you asked the question. That whole LSU offense was trash, but that's because they didn't have a quarterback. But to me, Jamar Chase, he's he, he he's one of them ones, as we like to say. He got that dog in him. It don't matter if you press him, off coverage, whatever. He gonna get physical with you. He can he 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 plays bigger than what he is, and he's fast. He's proved that with his with his forty time. Even it like I don't necessarily believe in pro day forty times, so that four three eight might be a four four. But even that four four is faster than anything we got on this roster, and he can come in, run a complete route tree, and is going to take people. Like he's going to take those safeties from out of the box, shading down, crowding everything for Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, and they got to respect it, and they got to respect Joe Mixon. And then to follow that, not only with the Jackson Carmen pick in round two, but to trade back a couple, trade back eight spots for someone when we were going to pick at thirty eight anyway, to get two other fourth round picks. I think it was definitely a, a great pick. AJ, I'm going to come in at a different angle. While I do agree on the Jamar Chase, do good to pass up. This is where I thought about it, and you kind of just alluded to it a little bit, is that, yes, Joe Burrow, you know that LSU connection, 20 touchdowns, or be- the best receiver in the class. It's not even a debate. The best receiver, best body. Let, best let me just jump in right there. If if Jamar Chase didn't go to LSU, we would have still drafted him. It wasn't yeah. the Joe Burrow-LSU connection. It was just he was the best one in our eyes for yeah. as an ex-receiver. Absolutely. Absolutely. But my angle, this is where I come in and you brought it up, is that while, yes, you have that great quarterback connection, you got Jackson Carmen in the second round, is that even if you drafted Sewell, you know that you know that offensive line is solidified. And not only does that protect Joe Burrow, because look what you had last year and look how well he performed. And yeah, you want to add more weapons to that. But does that mean you got to draft Jamar Chase? Because I looked at it this way. If you drafted Sewell, you get a receiver in the second round and you stay at that 38 spot at the top of the round. And you get one of those guys at the top, like an Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, who don't have the body, but are still great receivers. Can't be the number one, but are great receivers. You work with that. You give Joe Burrow that. And on top of the fact, you draft Sewell. Now Joe Mixon can gain himself into that upper, upper echelon of running back to take the pressure off Joe Burrow. Because not having Joe Mixon there, because he got hurt after six games last season, yep. they killed him ultimately. And that's when he got hurt two or three games later, Joe Burrow. And now while the offensive line is seemingly better than it was prior to the draft, it, I think it could have been better. But I do love the Jamar Chase pick, and I don't disagree with that take whatsoever. So here's my thing. I understand by saying if we would have went Penn Sewell, it would have solidified our offensive line. But no one's talking about actually what we did for our offensive line. We did solidify our offensive line by going out and signing Riley Reef, getting Bobby Hart off of our – depth chart completely 
which is a complete upgrade. Riley Reef was really good at uh, pass protection. And then Xavier Suofilo got hurt. We didn't bring Quentin Spain in until basically, I think, week uh, six when we played the Titans. And he jumped right in, played tackle, and everything was good. Uh, then uh, we had to bring in Alex Redman because Xavier Suofilo got hurt. We had plenty of injuries on our offensive line. Jonah Williams went out, went out twice, and then he ended up having a season in the injury. So it was a merry-go-round on our offensive line. So as much as things look bad in our offensive line, it was because, you know, things happened. We had injuries and we didn't have depth. What we do have now is we have depth and we have better coaching because we fired Jim Turner, who was the worst offensive line coach in the league. And we brought back Frank Pollock. Everyone talked about that uh, Dallas Cowboys offensive line, how great it was. What, uh, you know, Frank Pollock did with Makai Becton, having him looking legit. Now we got him back in Cincinnati. When Joe Mixon, you know, he's he, you know, led the AFC in rushing. Guess what? Frank Pollock was his uh, was the offensive line coach. So Frank Pollock is back and he's the run go- run game coordinator. And now we have our bookend tackles. Uh, right guard, left guard. Everything is solidified. And only thing that we're missing is center. And that's because Trey, uh, Trey Hopkins tore his ACL later on in the season. But he's on track to be ready for training camp. He's had a schedule. So in my mind, I think we're good. Everyone talks about how bad our offensive line is. But I guarantee you, if Joe Burrow never got his knee broke, if his knee never blew up, no one would say anything. Because guess what? No one's saying anything about uh, Justin Herbert's offensive line. Because guess what? Justin Herbert, had his offensive line was actually worse. But it's highlighted that the Bengals' offensive line is bad because Joe Burrow got hurt. So it's the narrative that everyone's painting. And, and of course, I know everyone says the Bengals are trash. The Bengals have been historically trash. And that's fine. So you get that, you get that bad, you get that bad publicity and that bad media. But no one is actually looking at what happens. If you if you look at all the people that are talking about the Bengals needed to draft Penny Sewell and it's negligence that they didn't draft Penny Sewell, they'll never bring up that they brought in Riley Reef to play the position that Penny Sewell would have played anyway. Yeah. I've actually seen a, a, a few people say, you know, that the Bengals, they, they like the pick. Um, and I actually think at where they were, I don't think it was hard to mess that pick up. It's like, okay, if you go Jamar Chase, you win. If you go Penae Sewell, you win. The only way that I would be upset here is if they do something, you know, like the Raiders did, like really reached. But it's like they still got talent. So it's like, I agree with what AJ said about the fundamental thought process of their draft. They fulfill needs. And that's what I always want from my team. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not mad at the Bengals. When I, when I look at their, their needs and I look at how they attack the draft, I came away. I, I, I give them, I was torn between a B minus and a B, but I think that's a solid draft. Yeah. And and, and before, before, before we move on to, to the other teams, all I'm going to say is, Every year, that word generational talent gets thrown around very often. Too often. And, and people were talking about Penny Sewell being a generational talent, a can't-miss prospect, a future Hall of Famer, when if you throw Penny Sewell in last year's draft, he might not be the first tackle off the board. He might not be the second tackle off the board. It's debatable he's the third. Because you look at what Tristan Wirfs did. Andrew Brown, like there, there were some great tackles in that draft. So we can't just go go ahead and say, oh, you passed up on a future All-Pro, future Hall of Famer. We don't know that because they don't like it, it's all about where you go. And it's all about, you know, 
the the things that you the thing the work that you have put in. Penny Sewell was not a perfect prospect coming out of Oregon, not at all. And I, I've said before, I was happy with either pick, but the way that I saw the draft playing out, give me Jamar Chase because we can get someone that can give us at least close to the production that we could get from Penny Sewell in the second round. AJ, you do have a comment here from Hank. I have to admit, Williams definitely sold me on that Chase pick. As much as Sewell would have been a great pick, Chase is a great weapon to add. Hey, that's, I'm, all, I'm, that's all I'm, I needed to hear. We just, we, <laughs> look, we just, we just here to educate the people, man. That's all, that's all it is. There's one other pick I wanted to talk to you about, though. I mean, look, I agree. I think Jackson Carm, you could argue, right, the wide receiver – second round talent and the offensive line second round talent was near identical. I think you could argue the receiver talent maybe was a little more in terms of depth. Um, But you also not only got Jackson Carmen, who's probably going to be a guard for you guys, but you got Joseph Asai, in my opinion, who was a mid to late second round talent in the third round out of Texas. I wanted the giants to get him. Uh, That you did. 15 yeah there we go (laughs) 15 and a half tackles for loss in nine games I kind of just want you to highlight him here before we move on to Washington because that kid is filthy he is insanely good and I think he's going to be a great edge rusher in the NFL so ironically he's wearing number 58 which is Carl Lawson's number who departed Mm -hmm. to the Jets and I think you know with some time he can be such a, uh, a a very disruptive edge rusher for us because you have to think just last season was his first season as an edge rusher. He was an off ball linebacker. So moving from off ball linebacker to edge rusher with the, you know, relentless play style that he has, he has the motor and the want to, he doesn't give up on a play. He tells a story that in high school, he, he didn't chase down a tight end on an incomplete pass. His coach pulled him aside and said, listen, you never give up on a play. The very next play, chased down a tight end, got a, fu- a strip and a sack. I mean, a strip mm-hmm. fumble. And that taught him that was like the, the click. Don't play until like don't quit until it's over. And that's what we need. So now what we've done in the draft, if you look, yes, we went Jamar Chase in round one. But look down the rest of the line. Everything is in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. So. What we've done is basically solidified both of those. And Joseph Osai, I think, will eventually be, you know, you know, uh, pound for pound, our best pick because of where we got him, but the production that we can get from him. So a third round pick, like you said, you wanted him in the second round. A third round pick, I think he's going to develop into a, 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 a above average edge rusher. And with that defensive line that we have with DJ Reader. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, uh, Mike Daniels, and then Trey Hendrickson. I think we'll be able to, like, I'm not saying we're going to be the Washington football team, but we're going to cause some problems. I think as Joseph Osai gets some some polish and get those violent hands on him, I think he's going to be a problem. It's going to take us to a, a different level. Yep. And then you just mentioned Tyler Shelvin, too. You got him to replace Geno Atkins, so great move there. Uh, not to mention, you also got the best kicker in the draft as well. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> needed fun. that, baby. Fat Randy gone. Hey. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Off the cyber, the baby. Oh, I can't stand Fat Randy. Yeah. And, Randy. The, so and the whole – people would have a different outlook on us if we would have beat the Chargers that game because yeah. – 
but Fat Randy missed the kick and fake cramps in both calves. How you get cramps in both your calves at the same time kicking a field goal? Oh, you gotta sell it when you miss it. You gotta sell it. Got right? it. <laughs> you have to. It worked. Y'all didn't cut him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but eventually we did. We cut. We brought in Austin Cyborg. His hey. ass. His ass was on the bench. He lived to kick another day. That's what he was trying to do. Oh, I can't stand that. I get Fat Randy out of here. And Tom, 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 you being greedy too. You being greedy. I'm gonna let you slide. You wanted to get Joseph aside, and you got Aziz Ojalari. Like, come on now. I, I'm listening to him. I'm listening to him. Come on now. Like, you, you, be, you being greedy. That's you why being, I said. That's I why I said I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't get him. Like, come on, uh, man. Like, yeah. The <laughs> NFC East talk is coming up right now. Actually, uh, Cannon, let's talk about your Washington football team taking Jamin Davis, 19th overall, redshirt junior out of Kentucky, six three. Uh, only 11 collegiate starts, but the kid last year had three picks and 102 tackles, and now you slide him in with Bostic and Holcomb. What impressed you the most about this Jamin Davis pick? Well, well, first, before I say what impressed me most, <laughs> I, I'll give you my my initial scouting. I had, him, I had him as my number two linebacker. I had Michael Parsons number one, so I, did, I definitely wanted Michael Parsons, and he was beginning to slide until Dallas couldn't get there, couldn't get their corner and then just, you know, messed everything up. But I also think that if Parsons did slide that the Giants probably would have took him. And so then, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I, I do, you know, I'm looking at my board and I'm like, Davis is the next best linebacker to me because a lot of people sleep on Kentucky, but they don't realize that Kentucky play, they play SEC football. And so the players there, even though, Kentucky hasn't been able to get on a, over the hump. The players there, they, they can play ball, especially yeah. on the next level. Um, Josh so, Allen to the Jaguars a couple years ago. Exactly. So, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm looking, but it's like, okay, Joke is on the board and he's sliding. Um, so I'm like, oh, the pick is probably going to be Joke right here. So, you know, when it's not Joke, I'm like, I'm like, okay, it's not joke. But then I start thinking, like, realistically, how he fits our mold. I start thinking about Bostic and Holcomb and how he fits in. And I start thinking about that D-line and how he can do what he does and come free and how he was a tackling machine at Kentucky. And one thing that all the pundits had Washington doing was taking the lineman first. And I specifically told A.J. and Hill, I don't want a lineman. And they was like, they was like, what do you want? I said, I want a linebacker. And they said, bro, your defense is set. I said, yes, our defense is set. But I said, we are weakest at linebacker. I said, if we could solidify linebacker, then we will have the front, the back, and the middle. And I said, why would you, if you can become solid all the way around, why would you turn that down? Especially when you use AJ's philosophy, the draft doesn't end in the first round. And there's <laughs> one thing that I told uh, if you watched our, our episode we did our um, my draft, I, I said that there are a lot of linemen that are going to be in the second round because we had in ours some people who were supposed to be in the first round who slid, especially because once again the Raiders, we predicted that they were going to take Alex Leatherwood, and they did. So that automatically means that a good lineman is going to be, you know, sliding down. So I'm like, all right, you know, but I, I really love the pick after hindsight looking at it. I think that he's going to fit perfect with our scheme. Um, our head coach is a former linebacker. Our defensive coordinator is a former linebacker. I think they know linebackers a little bit better than me. So I'm not mad that they went Davis 
over joke because I think he fits what we're trying to do better. And Hill, Ken, and both of you took linebackers in the first round. The Giants haven't taken a linebacker in the first round since 1984. <laughs> <laughs> L- who was that, LT? Uh, no. Oh, that was those banks was banks, 82, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Which is which is crazy to even think about. But I like Cosme in the second round too. I mean, three year starter. He's more than likely your opening day left tackle, barring yeah. an injury. Yep. Um, People had him as a first round talent. Yeah, he was really good too. And yeah. then Benjamin St. Juiced yeah. in the third. Yeah. And I I just like St. Juiced regardless because of his size. Like, you know, we we're kind of we have good corners, but we're kind of small on the corner side. So it's like he can bring us some presence. Um, and allow us to, you know, be more versatile on defense. I, I, so I really, I really like the St. Juice pick. Yeah, I love the Dimey Brown pick. I think that's yeah. criminally underrated in the wide receiver yeah. class. I think he's that's gonna be one fact. of the top receivers coming out of the uh, coming out of this draft class, depending upon you know what their quarterback situation is. Because day mm-hmm. one, you bet on the fact that it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you see when he gets hot, man, he makes yeah. other people look good. So yeah, that's got yeah. that's a guy that can be a benefactor off the Let's fact. Not that talk about when he's cold. <laughs> He's going to be a better fact off the fact that opposing defense is going to be double covering uh, Terry McLaurin. So I think yeah. he's going to be huge for you guys this year. Yeah. And then, Scary you know, you Terry. got you pick up Samuels in free agency. But I also think that, you know, you talk about Fitz when he's cold. I'm looking at quarterback play over the last five years on my team. And, and I'm looking at Fitz on his through his journey. And I'm looking like a cold Fitz. I'll take it right about now because <laughs> Alex Smith was able to win the division gimping around on a leg that had 17 surgeries on. And so it was like, if, if we just had, and his numbers were terrible last year, but the, the comeback story was, I respect it. Anybody who can drag, you get my respect. You can drag that leg around with people flying all over the place. So respect, kudos to Alex Smith, but, production-wise from the position, it was not there. And for us to still be able to do what we did like that, if you bring in a Fitz who should be able to protect himself, should be able to move around, should be able to, you know, get hot, but, you know, also be cold. But I feel like it's going to even out to him being an average quarterback, and I feel like an average quarterback is much better than we've had. Yeah, I mean, you're probably looking at a quarterback in next year's draft if he – trade up potentially you know spencer rattler sam howell yeah. i mean those are two names re- reunite diami brown and sam Howell. yeah i like and i was i was just about to say that i like sam Howell when you mentioned him so out of unc yeah. um diami brown scary terry I, who's your wide receiver too is it curtis samuel curtis samuel um it's curtis samuel and then we have um depending humphreys. on the sets that we we have we have humphreys that's going to be in the slot but we also have cam sims who they who they like you know um who can go who's a deep threat so but the oh, core, we know that for sure yeah <laughs> so so the, the the wide receiver core is is coming into shape and that also that and linebacker to me has been the weakest link um, for the last three years for the Washington football team. So I was happy that, you know, this offseason, you know, free agency and the draft included, we was able to address those. Not to mention you drafted Derek Forrest. I think he can come in and compete with Cameron Curl for that yeah. second safety position. Yeah. And Shaka yeah. Tony in the seventh round. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, that's great. That's great. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that. That's just more rushing right there. So it's like, 
I don't know where he's going to play at, but the beauty of it is, is keep guys fresh now. Now, when you rotate a guy, it's like, oh, talent doesn't drop off. And if you think that talent's going to drop off when he comes in, we can make big plays when he comes in. So he's going to be primed for big plays this year because people are going to be sleeping on him. For sure. Um, I definitely agree with you there. Is there anything else any of you guys wanted to add about Washington? Obviously, they're the division champs of the NFC East, and no team has won that division in back-to-back years. and 16 over years. 16 years. Since the Eagles did it in 2004. That's, that's a damn shame. That's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. So I, was listening, I was listening to your spiel, and you were saying, like, Alex Smith on one leg won the division. I'm like, yeah, my Giants had nothing to do, too, man, and they lost. They couldn't be that guy. <laughs> Not to, And this just popped in my head. Your last pick of the draft, that wide receiver at a BYU, had yeah. 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns last yeah. year. Yeah, he, he was good. Wilson were good together last yeah. year. Yeah, I made it seem like Zach Wilson didn't have any weapons. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I, that's, every time I watch this highlight, that boy was steep. He jumped off the film. Like, yeah, yeah. You can say what you want. Yeah, yeah. All right. How about them Cowboys? How about it? Hell, <sighs> they they executed the plan that I thought they would. I, you know, we can always say, "Oh, we should have picked this play player here. We should have did this. We should have did that." They executed the plan. <laughs> 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 We're going to ignore that. <laughs> going to, of course, he's worse. Come on, now we don't do that. Wait, Kyle, did you click that or did I click that? That's why I was laughing. that in the chat. That was funny. Right. Now, every, everybody, everybody else got they love spewing. Everyone messed with me. <laughs> but, but you know, the uh, corner was a uh, was a target in the first round. Of course, there was a, a huge debate between J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. Obviously, both of them went off the board. So, you know, the Cowboys are known to roadmap their, their draft board. So, they, you know, they did a draft uh, trade back with the Eagles. You know, they they had confidence that they wasn't going to draft their guy, obviously. Yeah. So, we ended up, we ended up getting Mar- Micah Parsons. Uh, Micah Parsons, you know, top. You know, linebacker, you know, everybody has what they have to say about uh, position of value and taking the off-ball linebacker early in the draft. Uh, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, linebacker was a need. He is a problem. He puts pressure on the remaining linebackers that we have on this draft. It's a role for him so he can come right in and do his job. Getting uh, Kelvin Joseph in the second round was amazing. He has first-round talent, you know, put him right in with this defense, you know, now I got two corners that I can depend on that I couldn't depend on last year because everybody was getting 21 off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and then you like you say you fulfilled you kept and you just kept going defense. Like, they just kept going defense. We you know That's get enough. And like yeah. hey, I told anybody I don't want to look at offense till second pick at round four. I didn't believe that they would do that, and they did. So I can't complain. Once again, it's plenty play. It's other players. Oh, they should have took this player, or they could have took that player. But at the end of the day, they pick players that fit their scheme. Mm-hmm. Dan Dan Quinn's scheme. Mm-hmm. They should come in and be able to make an impact or put pressure on these other veterans to step their game up. I can't really ask. I can't complain whatsoever. They did. Y'all seen my defense last year. Mm-hmm. Like y'all seen my <laughs> defense last year. Game, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm when you when you score twenty one off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> you get off the plane and you got 20. Anybody 
I, I need all defense, so I really can't get They them. literally – I doubted him when he was saying it last season, but literally week after week, teams will put up 21 points and put it up quick, too. Before, before he touched <laughs> me. He was like, damn, the, the game just started. I told you. <laughs> like, I told you. Yeah, no, Hill, I agree with you 100%. And where I have a lot of confidence in, in Dallas this year is that, again, not every coach transitions, head coach from coordinator to head coach, is successful. You look at Atlanta every single year that Dan Quinn was the head coach. His defense sucked every year. That's why he doesn't have a Super Bowl. But when he was with Seattle, focusing on that Legion of Boom, baby, mm-hmm. now with Dallas and a bunch of guys that he probably had a lot of influence and impactful and influence on who they drafted, that's essentially because you guys had good players on defense last year. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of hurt. The cornerback, the secondary really killed you. But now you guys addressed a lot of that. I, what was it? First six picks for defensive players before you took a offensive player. Yeah, uh, we got to the, um, yeah, to the four, to the second pick in the fourth round. That's yeah. when we uh, drafted a tackle that I'm not going to mention. And and everybody's talking about, you know, obviously Micah Parsons. That's the highlight player. I think, you know, 12th overall, that's that's a value pick right there because granted that off the field stuff that he had, I think he goes top five personally. Maybe Mm -hmm. in any other draft, this was a high loaded offensive class in terms of weaponry. But any other class, that guy's a top five pick based on talent and what he brought to the table. Mm -hmm. But. You guys also brought in Jabril Cox, who I think mm-hmm. was one of the most the biggest yeah. steals draft yeah, potential. That was that was beautiful. That was yeah. a great pick. Yeah, you get you um, get you, and you still you stealing him in the fourth round. A yeah. lot of people just a lot of teams just left him on the board. I couldn't believe that. Couldn't believe it. And yeah. like you like we had a, like I said we had an issue with linebacker. Like I said, LVE has an injury his injury concern. Uh, Jalen Smith really can't he change direction. Sean Lee so bad, so bad. Jalen Smith can't really mm-hmm. change direction. So we had to upgrade this linebacker room. We had to get speed. And what everybody said, whoever you listen to, wh- whoever you listen to, when it comes to the draft, the consent, the consistent thing that they said about Jabril Cox, he's the best cover linebacker in this draft. So you get that in the passing lead, you really can't ask for much more. My favorite pick out of the whole draft was Quentin Buhana. I've been one of the big old front uh, one tech. For years, mm. <laughs> I be, I wanted us to pay um Dalvin Tomlinson in the, um in free agency. We did not do that. Obviously, that would have been good though. Thank goodness, it didn't happen. That would have been good. And that was and that was the <laughs> only that was the only free agent that I really wanted. And I was only a free agent I was set that we didn't go after that we didn't really put heavy emphasis on. But going out and getting Quentin Buhana. And it's eight, I don't care that he's in the sixth round. We meet the, the confidence that they have in him. They immediately uh cut Antoine Woods. Exactly, he just got signed today. Actually, I think yeah, by the, the coach. Colts. I'm ha- I'm happy for him. Yeah, no, that's a, that was a good signing. I love Jabril Cox too. By the way, I just want to run o- over his stat line: three picks, five passes defended, fifty-eight tackles, six and a half tackles for loss. You drafted him. You drafted Parsons. You have Jalen Smith, who you just extended. What does this mean for Leighton Vanders? They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Is he out the door at the end of next season, or do you think it depends on how? He plays like. Do you see like a rotation with these guys coming in? Because he's been dealing with injuries for years now. Well, we can't depend on him. Out of two out of the four years, he's been injured. So we're just gonna have to go out there and hope that that he plays. And it is what it is. He'll be there this year. It's, yeah. It makes because what nobody wants to highlight last year where we had a lot of injuries, just like a lot of people in the, in, in the NFL. We had a lot of injury. So yeah. when you have a lot of injuries, obviously you don't have a lot of depth. So they want to come in here with a lot of depth. They don't want to have to rush a Jabril Cox on the field. They don't want to have to rush putting people on the field. So they're just going to just wait till he gets hurt and have to put him on the field. But you got to think about it. We have no linebackers out, outside of 
LVE and Jalen Smith. I understand that we're in a nickel in a lot of lot of lot of the times, but we lost Joe Thomas. We didn't bring Justin Marshlitter back. Y'all, y'all don't know Luke Gifford or y'all may know I, Francis Bernard. But, I know the name, but yeah, but <laughs> I but they don't play. Like these guys don't play. So obviously we only had two linebackers. So we needed depth behind these guys anyway. Mm-hmm. We have a comment from Kevin DeRosa. LMAO, the Cowboys have the highest expectations every year. They had to have been upset about missing out on those two DBs in the draft, as in Sertan and Horn. Um, In my opinion, they still got the best defensive player in the draft. They got the best defensive player in the draft, and they traded back and got an extra pick to get the guy that they were going to get anyway at 10. Mm -hmm. And then still get a top five corner in the draft, so – when you right. like you said, when you get a when you when you end up getting a corner that they had that they say have first round talent, you can't really be upset. Like I wasn't excited about Michael Parsons. I was just wanted to be. I wanted to see what they're going to do next, and the fact that they got Kelvin Joseph next, then I got excited about Michael Parsons because I'm not I'm seeing the full picture now. Right, you will continue to be happy with Michael Parsons. Mark my word. <laughs> Thanks for the comment, Kevin. Appreciate that, and. um Hill, too, one other thing I wanted to add, um, Osa Odigizua, I remember having love his it. older brother on the Giants. I know you probably love the pick. I thought he was more of a – Thought it was a reach, right? So say you can I, say it. Interesting. I don't like using the word reach. The only real reach, in my opinion, in this like draft is Alex Leatherwood at 17. I think that's <laughs> a reach. Every other pick, I think it depends on – team need I obviously yeah. as Giants fans we're used to BPA right yeah. I mean, it's, correct you you guys saw that we didn't take an entire line in the whole draft but um yeah Dallas went for positions of need and they got it you mentioned you love those one tech players you love those defensive tackles Osa and uh Quentin Bohanna the one guy I didn't do a whole lot of research on for the Cowboys uh 6'4 330 pounds I love that I really do. And you still got a good wide receiver in this draft to potentially Mm -hmm. replace Michael Gallup next year and Fajoko, who is a beast. He's 6'4", red zone threat, which I think maybe that's the one thing Dallas is missing, like a really tall, like 6'4", or north in height, in the height department. Mm -hmm. I think he's really good, and he could – you know, unfortunately, he grabbed some. Uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, but like I told you, I said we, we, we like to roadmap our draft. So they took they went with boom. I mean, not boom, they went with boom or bust with Michael Parsons and Kelvin Joseph. They're feeling real high about those two picks. So now let's go with let's, let's go with scheme fits. Right. Let's go, you know, let's go get a, um, I forget, damn DN, um, ghosted. Chauncey yeah. Golston. Let's go guy. get a let's go get this defensive end that you know that fits my mold. He's a power guy that I can I can shift him inside and pass him down. Mm-hmm. Let's go get an Osa. Like that's a stout that may be you know undersized for some teams, but you can't move this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So so I have a I have a role for him or immediately that you can't move him. So hey, if it's a scheme fit, go get him. And then you go get Nashawn um the um Wright. He's six, he's a six four corner. You know what you're going to do with the Dan Quinn corner. He's going to bring back some of the Seattle stuff that he did. Go get a big corner. Like go get some of these schemes fits. And then, like you said, Jabril Cox fell in your lap. We yeah, cannot yeah. we cannot miss that. He did. Um, I love that pick for Dallas. Um, uh, couple comments. 
Say what you want about Jerry Jones, and I've said plenty. He does a good job with drafting. Steve, uh, Ellis, one of my uh, top Giants fans, uh, you mean his scouting staff. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Steve, 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 not wrong. Everybody, every every Cowboy fan knows about Will McClay. And like I said, we, we, we praise Will McClay um, for his drafting prowess. You know, his scouting department. You know, mm-hmm. Will, Mc- Will McClay is that guy. Will McClay is really our GM. If you want to be technical, you know, like Jerry Jones is just a title. So I'm, I'm not mad at Steve. Do your thing, Steve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Steve is a huge Giants fan, by the way. This draft to me for the Cowboys, it felt like the first draft that Jerry Jones, not that he didn't have any like influence or input, but it felt like a, a solely scouted draft. It didn't feel like they reached for any player, the boom player. They went for Michael Parsons, who had nah, that. Jerry Jones. It, listen, it looked like it was the best defensive player on the board, which they needed. If they took any other position or any other player left on the board, it would have been a question mark because they already passed up or missed out on the two corners because, I mean, I think Carolina, not that they reached for J.C. Horn, but I don't think anybody really expected that to be the direction that they were going to go in. And then same thing with Denver. Even though they brought in Ronald Darby, and I think they brought in Kyle Fuller as well, Kendall Fuller, always mixed up brothers, yeah. they still drafted the cornerback, which was a yeah. surprise as well. I thought they might have drafted Parsons to replace Yvonne Miller after this year. Yeah. See that's, that's why you want. my that's why you my guy, Kyle. Because I, mm-hmm. I Denver, I'm still mad at Denver. I'm still mad. At <laughs> they Denver. had no reason to take right. that. Yeah, that messed right. up me getting parts. Yeah, so that, I'm mad. Yeah. It, 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 that messed up was, the Giants. That messed up everything. That, 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 the trade back never happens. That never happens. That was a trickle down We all we all watched this in, in the three, in the three man weave group chat. It was like, wait a minute, hold on, wait. We we went back to the free agency posts and everything. Like, wait, why are they getting certain? They had right. no reason to take a cornerback right there. And it's like, if your team doesn't elevate this year, that's on you because <laughs> there was too much talent in the first round for you to be. Going after positions that you're, I understand. I understand BPA, right? We we all get it. But I'm not doing it if I'm not drafting a lineman. If I have a, if my line was the best in the league last year and they all came back, you feel me? If my if my if my starting corners are legitimate in this league, I'm not drafting a corner first. No way, especially when there's. Hill, Hill was Hill was able to get Joseph in the second round. You yeah. you could have got Joseph in the second round. You know round. what you know what it is though? It, it's that can it's that Kansas City factor. They like, hey, we got that's do what it is. We gotta do whatever we can to cover all of these weapons. And I, I, and then Sertan, he's big, he's yeah. physical. I guarantee Sertan, they're gonna try and do him like they used to do with Stefan Gilmore. And stuff like that. They're gonna put them up. They're gonna put. They're gonna try and put Sertan on, on on Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. Yeah, on oh, Travis Kelsey it. and Darren Waller. Yeah, well, I'm glad. See, see, my guy. See, maybe I'm net- so happy that we focused on our secondary because the NFC East receiving core is they got pretty better. Good, at least. They got better. And I'll be honest with you, my least favorite team in the division does not have a representative here on this podcast tonight. So mine, mine too. <laughs> kind of mine thankful too. for that. Yeah. Hey, um, if, if, the, if the Eagles got, if Eagles fans ever have anything to say to you, just ask them why the hell they tied with the Bengals last year. <laughs> this is true. Tom, 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 before we transition, I know we about to transition to basketball. No, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. I got to Why didn't y'all take Justin Fields? Yep. Thank uh, you. The Giants. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, the Giants. Who would y'all be? And then I'll shoot my take because I, I brought it up last week. The tone, Tom, you go first. 
Cal, you know, Cal, you know you my guy. You know you my guy. <laughs> I want to hear this. I think if there was one quarterback in this draft um, that the Giants would have taken, I would have preferred a uh, quarterback on day two, whether it would be a Mond or a Trask. I just – I'm a believer in Daniel Jones. I know I'm not a big fan of Daniel Jones, but I think you invested two years into this guy already where despite the lack of touchdown passes, his numbers statistically improved – last year when Joe Judge got more involved with the offense where his deep ball accuracy was top seven in the league. And I know no, I'm probably about to get fried for no, saying this. He got some talent. But I think you have to give my, – my window for a quarterback is three years. If okay. Jones isn't – if Jones doesn't improve substantially, I'm not saying a Josh Allen leap but a significant leap mm-hmm. because I thought, in my opinion, he came really close to passing the eye test in year one. What, what – took me away from that was the turnovers, right? What he did in the end of year two was he limited the turnovers. And you look at what all these quarterbacks have, like these young quarterbacks. Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, All these top-notch quarterbacks in the league. Patrick Mahomes has Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers has – I'm not making excuses for Jones, (laughs) but what did Daniel Jones have last year? Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. Evan Ingram, who I, you got, I think you got to give him complete, a chance with Ingram was Kenny a complete Galladay. letdown. Uh, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, and now Kadarius Tony. So that's I where like I stand that. with Jones. If he's not the answer this year, then you get a quarterback. So that's my opinion. But I definitely want to hear what Kyle and the rest of you guys have to say about him. <laughs> this. Is, and AJ, you know my point because we were on the Fitz, Fitz Lounge. I was reacting to the Kadarius Tony pick. I was all over that. And oh yeah, I didn't listen. I, I a day went by. I absorbed the pick. I didn't mind it because you know what? You got Aziz Ojolari, who was the first round talent in the second round. And you got mm-hmm. Canary Tony, who was argued the second round talent in the first round. So mm-hmm. maybe it dimmed down. Don't it, end on, for, on day it, one. It did. It didn't make me feel that bad afterwards, but in the process, it was. But at that point in time, I was all in on go for Micah Parsons, and people were saying, you know what? You get that draft capital next year. This is where my standpoint was is that the Giants, personally, I think they're a win-now type of team with the exception of quarterback. They need to solidify other holes on the team. You didn't need to go get more capital next year because what you're telling me is ultimately is that you don't necessarily believe in what you got on the field this year. That's what that tells me, that you don't believe in what you got. Yeah, it's nice to have another first-round pick, no doubt about it. But to be quite honest with you, if Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles are going 8-8, I think Andy Dalton and Justin Fields might be a little better than that. With a little improved offense and Tevin Jenkins, and I would assume Allen Robinson would be happy mm-hmm. now with the Bears versus what he was last year. David Montgomery was a solid back and getting a Swiss Army knife and three Cohen. And I think they built up a nice little team. And especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves that division, man, that's 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 really Chicago for me. That's Chicago's yeah. division to lose. I don't yeah. trust Kirk Cousins, and I don't trust Jared Goff to win that thing. And Jordan Love, who knows what he's going to be. If you're looking at mock drafts right now, because you know as a football mm-hmm. fan, you got to do it. I already looked at mock drafts for next year. They have the Giants first round pick for the Bears first round pick. That's how people are seeing this team right now. I don't see them that bad. Wow. But Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones will either, this is how I view it, in two years, one full year. I evaluate by this. I don't care what pro football focus says. Is he responsible for the reason why you won, or is he more mm-hmm. responsible for the losing why reason why you lost? You're not and wrong. The almost every single game last year is the reason why you won. And most of the games that the Giants lost last year was because Daniel Jones had 11 touchdowns in 17 weeks of football. That was the reason why. If he hit 20 
the Giants would have won the division, probably would have won nine games. They're putting up 17 points per game. This offense was comparable to the Jets' offense, who literally had nothing, arguably had the worst coach of all time in Adam Gase, and that's what you're putting out on the field? All and time. people say, oh, Daniel Jones played better in the second half of the season. And yet those same people that are arguing for Daniel Jones being better in the second half, Daniel Jones apparently had an ankle injury second half of the season. So you're telling me he paid, played better but he wasn't actually playing his game. That that doesn't that doesn't give me I trust. I think the whole offense played better in the second half of the season because I mean well, you, you got to look at the teams that they played. Also, you're playing you're playing the Bengals who who weren't great at the time. Once they lost, they almost lost to Brandon freaking Allen in that game. Hey, he it, beat the it, him and Ryan Finley was balling. They was winning some games down there. Well, Ryan I'm Finley, like, Ryan Finley was cooking. I also think, and Hill can kind of. Um, I I don't know what your opinion is on this, but I, I think having Jason Garrett back for a second year is going to help him because no, 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 it's not. as an OC, because no, it won't. And here's I'm a be a jet. I'm a be a jet. Here's just my point. Daniel Jones has had a different offensive coordinator the last four years. And that's why Alex Smith was very unsuccessful early on in his career. The offensive coordinator kept changing. And I think with Jones, if again, maybe Garrett's not the guy, but I think you want to develop some type of continuity where you have the same coaching staff in from year one to year two. And with what the Giants did in the offseason, they added a couple of assistants and Russ Calloway from LSU. I think the offense is trying to go more vertical under Garrett, which is Garrett trying to change his scheme potentially to, to keep to his tell, job? I try to tell him this. this you this tried is. to tell you tried to tell me that. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen ten years of the same thing. See the thing. See the thing about it. I was still calling out. I was calling out y'all plays. Yeah. The reason why I was calling out y'all plays watching the game because I know these plays. I know his tendencies. I know everything that Jason Garrett is going to do. The right. reason why the reason why I hate the Kadarius Tony pick because he doesn't have not no idea what to do with him. He's going to run a whole bunch of jet sweeps, so get prepared with him. He doesn't because he doesn't really run the full route tree, so he doesn't really know really what to do. Now, like I said, Garrett is way too predictable. Once again, see, yeah, even, Steve. Steve, even Steve knows this by one year. Ooh. I've known this. I've known <laughs> this. For t- I know this for ten. Right, but but but. The addition of Kenny Galladay solidifies the wide receiver core. So, boom, mm-hmm. you put him on one side. You got Darius Slayton on the other side. You got Sterling Shepard in the middle. Getting Kyle Rudolph is key because he, he – Jason Garrett, once again, only knows how to use traditional tight ends. Mm-hmm. He doesn't He doesn't really know how to use Evan Ingram. It, yeah, <laughs> Evan Ingram had a lot of drops. I understand. He, 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 he You can't really vouch for Evan Ingram right now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but Garrett doesn't know how to use him. But – Another year with the offensive line, getting Saquon back. The offense should be better. It should never look like yeah. it looked like like it should. It has to be better. It well, has to be better. Let, let me let me, t- let, let, me let me just tell y'all why I like the Kadarius Tony pick, and I, and why I think that Gettleman was really working this draft. All right, Kadarius Tony is not there when the Giants pick next if they don't take him. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But Ojalary was there. So you got to say, at the end of the day, when they get on a team, I don't really care what pick I got you here. Mm-hmm. If I got Ojalary later, that's 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 draft day Kevin Costner type stuff. Can you I feel me? So it's like, go ahead. So if mm-hmm. instead of getting Kadarius Tony, would Ojalary and then Diami Brown been there the next time they picked? Yeah, but 
I mean, but it doesn't. They want a Kader. They like Kader. I know. Too. I, so I, I like, get that. But what I'm saying is, just personally, I don't like 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 we said before. I'm slow on the why the hell didn't y'all get Justin Fields? Because as much as you got me on my Giants rant, I, I, I'm, I'm still a little confused by this, but right, I'm, I'm all ears. Tom told me. I, I, I'm, all, I, I'm all ears. Personally, I agree it, with Tom. To, to me, it's like it's just like just because you draft, like, hey, look, sometimes it's the NFL. It's a what have you done for me lately, Lee? So, Daniel Jones, you've had two years. I don't know. You you you're very turnover prone, and that's one thing that doesn't really you know change year over year. If you if you fumbling the ball and dropping the ball and throwing interceptions, that doesn't change very much year over year. Yes, you have some talent. That's going to be coming back. You have Saquon. That's going to be coming back. I think personally, where you're going to be at with your ceiling, with your floor, I'll say, with Daniel Jones and your floor with Justin Fields, especially in this, like if the division continues to go the way it goes, I think you bring Justin Fields in. Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this division. Yeah, I, I can't say I that about Daniel Jones. I don't believe that. My my thing, this is my thing with Daniel Jones, and this is I wanted to give him a second shot, but it was hard for me after what the team allowed him to do with the game plan in which they scripted for him. And it was actually against your guys' team, Cannon, your Washington football team, and AJ, your Cincinnati Bengals. In the, in the, in the football, in the Washington football team game, they cut his throw attempts in half. And yet he still almost lost the game throwing the pick in the end zone. <laughs> they cut it in half because they didn't trust him throwing the ball. If you're cutting your – without Saquon Barkley, without your weapon, you're cutting your quarterback's attempts in half. You had Devonta Freeman who was on a, on a wire. And that's how you're planning on winning the game, by taking your ball out of the quarterback's hands when you that's don't have any – And that's then, AJ, AJ, with your Bengals, and I'm, I don't think I've ever seen this before. It was the first drive of the game. There was a great pass to, I think it was Golden Tate, get you to the one-yard line. You won five times. But not Saquon, not Saquon, but Wayne Gallman. I love Wayne Gallman. I miss him now that he's a 49er. Wayne Gallman, what's the argument there? You tell, that tells me you don't trust your quarterback to deliver the ball to a receiver in the end zone. If you're running it five times with Wayne Gallman. And the, the worst part about both these tactics is this, is that they won both of those games. Mm-hmm. And then as a Giants yeah. fan, yeah. I know just watching. Wait, and, and then let, and, and and also it wasn't that you just won both of those games. Look what Colt McCoy did when he came in against the Bengals. I was Bengals. just going to say, Colt the McCoy Giants, best it, win it, play football. But that's what I'm saying. If you if you if you on the one yard line and you don't trust Daniel Jones to throw it, but you bring Colt McCoy after he gets in, and you start slanging that pill around. Eh. Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy might be the best. Washington football team QB in the last 10 years, man. But the Giants' best win, and I'll wrap it up with this. And actually, one more thing about Justin Fields, because we keep on talking about this, nobody's talking about Justin Fields. Yeah, we'll go for, <laughs> for another three to four Fields. minutes on this topic. With mm-hmm. with this thing, with Daniel Jones, is this, is that if, you, if you're telling me that you don't trust him, why should I? Why should I? If that's part of your game plan, take the ball out of your QB's hands when you got nothing, when you got nothing in the backfield, why should I trust him? That's one. And two, Colt McCoy, I said it a million times as soon as it happened, that was the Giants' best win, best best win against a dominant <laughs> team in three years, and that was with Colt McCoy. And essentially, that game was won defensively, not offensively. And that's where comes in the factor. What can was, you do if your quarterback can proceed and get touchdowns was, for you? I'm so happy, and with, with, with Justin Fields, I'm so angry. With Justin Fields, <laughs> with Justin Fields, this is the point that I actually brought up last week on last week's episode is this. 
is that not only is the storyline that the uh, Dallas and Eagles pulled an end around on each other and screwed the Giants and screwed them out of Devonta Smith, who they said they wanted next day, is this, is that you traded out of that spot if Daniel Jones is the guy you passed up on Justin Fields. That's the storyline with that pick. That's why I don't care about that next first-round pick next year. If you could trade up for Daniel Jones, you might as well just stand well, back and get thing. Justin Fields. But Daniel Jones isn't the guy, and I don't really believe in next year's quarterback class that much. I'm not really a piling no. guy on those guys. No. If he's the guy, the Giants are rolling with Daniel Jones again. Well, You're stuck with him. This well, is the problem, Kyle. He's going yeah. to be the guy in year four. I mean, I'm confident in him that he will have a better year no. three. And look, I understand your your guys' side of the argument. I totally understand what you guys are saying. My thing is, and um, I just I do want to get through some of these comments because it's blowing up uh, in the comment section right yeah. now. Steve going uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what Cannon Hill said about Jones, he out I mean, the hair he used to have. I I don't disagree with you guys. I just don't. It's nothing against Fields, the player. I don't mm-hmm. think Fields would be the best fit over Jones for the Giants. Now, maybe out of this class, you can make that argument, Mm-mm. but I don't necessarily think that uh, Daniel Jones was the primary source of the problem in the second half of the season. And I again, I don't believe that either. We've been blaming we've been blaming the offensive line for eight years, and the excuses are out the window for Daniel Jones at this point. But you had the 31st ranked offensive line. That's going to have a lot more continuity next year. That's why they didn't draft one. So they're going to be better, you would hope. You brought in receivers for him. You did everything in the free agency that links us to saying that Jones is our guy, which is kind of why I was confident they didn't go after a Fields uh, you know, quarter, quarterback position in the draft because I was confident Jones is going to perform in year three with the same offensive coordinator, the same head coach, new weapons that he's already been working out with in Arizona for weeks now. And I really like Kenny Galladay, what he can bring to the table. It could have a Plaxico Burris type of effect. So that's where I stand with that. Seven games, no touchdowns, no games over 300 yards passing this year. And I I already know it because I'm a Giants fan, but I'm on the opposite side. If I hear one complaint about how this offensive line is bad, and the Giants chose not to address it. I don't want to hear any more excuses for Daniel Jones. It's over. There's no excuses. You won't. No you won't. They, didn't, they did not address this O line. It's going to be the same thing out there, pretty much, except Nate mm. Solders can move to right tackle. It's the same thing out there. Justin Fields a lot more mobile than Daniel Jones. See, but the thing about, it, like Tom said, though, he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit. That Prescott didn't fit a Jason Garrett mm-hmm. offense. To be quite, if you want to be technical, get him, get him, man, and Jason Garrett gonna be gone real but soon, man, baby. Get him, man. Get him, man. Not going to be gone. I'm about to say, what did Gettleman? Yeah, you can make the argument Gettleman had a bad first two years drafting, but Gettleman aced the draft this year. I mean, you yeah, could argue that. And free okay. agency. And Wait, free guys, agency. Guys, I, I know there's been a lot of you know that you can say he aced the draft, but we don't know if he aced it until they play. He aced free agency. These these A plus free agency grades and an A plus yeah. draft grade, you have to transition. Yeah, you're right. That's you're right. Honestly, honestly, when, when honestly, the last time y'all seen Kenny Galladay run a route? Honestly, hold on. Honestly, oh, I ain't sold on Galladay now. Honestly, before the draft, <laughs> the before the draft, they upgraded this team. They was really drafting with house money, to be quite honest. To be yeah, quite honest, yeah. the only problem is Daniel Jones. That's the only problem in, and, in the and, offensive line. And, and, and in all fairness, the only problem honestly, is Daniel Jones. Why I don't you get Justin Fields. But here's the thing: like, 
I don't think that Daniel Jones is honestly the problem because Jeez. Daniel Jones has the tools. Like one, he has like y'all, y'all says he has weapons, but I I didn't I don't like the receiving core that the Giants put on the field last year. I that's not a good receiving core for a young quarterback that's trying to learn his way. And yes, he's learning his way. I'm not saying he's a finished prospect, but I do think that he has the talent that could work if we can get some continuity, like Tom said. So that's why when I when I was talking to Kadarius Tony pick to Hill, I was hoping that Garrett not being a head coach and actually being a coordinator this year can actually focus on trying to do his best for the players that he does have and seeing if that can translate. And at the same time, you still you still got great value in the draft because like AJ said, the draft doesn't end in the first round. So I don't Listen, there's a lot of things that went wrong with the Giants last year. But like Kyle said, Daniel Jones beat us late late in the season with nothing. He beat us with nothing, and he beat the top. That was a top defense that he was facing with nothing. So it was like, and they cut his, they cut his attempts and all of that. So it was like, you give him some weapons. Yeah, you, you, you win that game when your defense look, forces four turnovers, man. If you, if, you, if you have all the tools, but you don't know – what a three eighths Allen wrench is, it don't mean shit. You just got tools. Yeah. You just hey. got tools and you can't use them. Man, he know what a three eighths Allen wrench is, bro. You can't play him like that. Danny, <laughs> he they they call him Danny Downs for a reason because he could no, the, they the, call him the, 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 right, the, 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 he man, got let, some let, deep let, ball. Let's let him go. Tom, you're too nice. We got we gotta stop you we gotta stop your boys. Listen. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this again. We got a whole off season. We got a whole off season. We go we go we go do this again. Yeah. We, we go yeah, we go bring y'all on our show and we can do this again. We gotta move on. So, yes, ab- absolutely. Um, <laughs> just want to get through a few comments and then we'll get to the last subject. But this was excellent. Thank you guys for bringing this debate. I do see both sides to it. I seen uh, Cal um loading up too. Cal to turn red like. There's nothing as as a fan of sports. There is nothing worse, and that's another point. Then I hate when I see talent being wasted. And I saw Sterling Shepard being wasted, OBJ, seeing it with Saquon, all because of, you know, who you're choosing behind center. And you're fixing everything else, but that center is still the problem with Daniel Jones. So you have everything around you, like you're saying. But if that's not the guy, you will win in this league if you don't have a good quarterback. Kyle, let's let's, let's move on, man. I'm I'm (laughs) over this for tonight. We have this debate another day for like three hours. But (laughs) no. all right, yeah. Well, you know what? We'll just skip over all the Giants comments, but Steve Mark. I'll, really, I'm gonna say all of Steve comments. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Steve. <laughs> Steve agrees with me. Um, yep. Jones can play defensive end. LOL. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so for the last few minutes, I just want to talk some NBA with you guys. Um, I know Kyle's a Heat fan. Um, Miami Heat are the sixth seed in the East right now. And actually, fun fact, the Eastern Conference, the top four teams this year were the bottom four teams five years ago. And that includes the Milwaukee Bucks, astonishingly. What do you guys think of the turnover in the Eastern Conference now with all these teams like Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee? I mean, Brooklyn for obvious reasons, but New York really surprised a lot of people this year. The Knicks haven't made the playoffs in seven to eight years. It's kind of surprising. Go ahead, go ahead, Hill. What I've been telling Knicks fans for years is just become a competent team. Stop stop over there trying to reach and think you're going to just sell New York 
on free agents, just become a competent team. Getting Thibodeau solidified that for sure. He brought a he changed the culture. He get he made y'all really focus on basketball. Just become a competent team, and then for them becoming a competent team, they became a confident team. Yeah. So they became a you know play a, a way a way better basketball team. So now the fact that New York is excited and you know. We we've been giving New York a hard time. We we know a lot of New York fans. We you know we went to school in Virginia, so Whoa. New York New York is a heavy heavy base over there. So we've been giving New York Knicks a a, a, a hard time. But happy dose. You find they finally turning the corner, and now they're looking like a free agent destination for some top yeah. top teams. Yeah, and and they may be a sneaky sneaky playoff team in the first round. We talk about competence, and that's obviously key. And, and you brought up Thibodeau Hill, uh, the guy that I think responsible, Leon Rose in that front office, man, is the president of the organization. Working mm-hmm. with some of the upper-class NBA players of this, of at least of my generation, twenty almost 21 years of being alive, working with Chris Paul, working with D-Wade, working with all these other great D-Book, other great athletes that are recognized as some of the greats of this game. That's it's what that's what's going to get free agencies to the door. You're not selling anybody on the mecca anymore of basketball. You kind of destroyed that the last 20 plus years of basketball. Mm-hmm. But that competence is what sells, and the ability to win how they're doing it is it will sell itself. So I think you know you brought you brought that point of those teams that are at the top right now finished you know the bottom five years ago. I, I also have to attribute that. I mean, you got to look who left the Eastern Conference. I think now teams are starting to realize we got a shot in the Eastern Conference now that LeBron's gone. And although, you know, it looks like LeBron, he he's starting to look human now because he's actually getting injured in his career and stuff like that. But look about look at where he was, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, when he was in Cleveland and when he was with the Heat. Like if you were in the Eastern Conference, it was just like, all right, let's just play for the Eastern Conference finals. Only a few teams were like, okay, let's let us let us see if we can get there with LeBron. Everybody else was like, let's just get a playoff spot, try and, you know, give our fan base some hope, see if we can get some young talent and hopefully outlive LeBron. And now it's, it's starting to it's, it's starting to be that. Players, it looked like teams started to get some, you know, young talent, outlive LeBron. I don't know what the hell Danny Ainge thought he was doing was just by hoarding all these, you know, draft picks and stuff like that, but – he, you know, people used to t- call him, you know, the, you know, the GM of the year and this, this and that, getting all these deals, thinking he fleeced all these people. Boy, ain't got shit to show for it. So, draft I, picks. but, but draft picks. <laughs> and so I think, you know, as you look back on it, he had all those draft picks, but never really acquired talent to, you know, vault himself to this upper echelon. Cause if you, if you would, if you would have looked back a couple years ago and said, who might be the top dog in the East? You probably would have said, "Oh, with what the Celtics have and what they like the 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 assets that they can acquire, yep. it'll be the Celtics." And for them to not even be in the top six, that's a complete failure. But also, um, what you can attribute it to is just some of these, because we're talking about five years. Some of these younger players finally coming to age now. Oh, absolutely. Now, what I've always said is that. Every player is not going to be because we threw in football, we threw that generational talent out there. Like in basketball, okay, you have the same thing. You got the Dame Lillard. You got the LeBron. You got these people. So if, if you have a Dame Lillard, 
no matter what type of guard you draft over the next 10 years, no matter how good they are, they it's going to be hard for them to get burned. So it's like you got to be smart with, with who you're drafting. So it's like a lot of teams drafted Julius Randle and gave up on him. They try to put him behind other people. They try to start him too early instead of letting this player develop, especially when you're talking about front court. If you're not going to be a legitimate generational talent, you need time to learn how to play front court in the NBA. So it's like if some of these players that drafted some of these teams would have stayed the course with some of these players, Knicks got rid of Porzingis, they could have kept him. Um, you know, Randall was traded. He, he could have been kept. So it's like some of these players are now at destinations and they're starting to fill out their roles and they're starting to come to fruition. And, and, and one thing that I always said is that when you draft a player in the first round of the NBA – your goal for that player, unless they're the number one overall pick, your goal for that player is for them to just still be on your team after their first rookie contract because it's not like football. Like you just want them to be on your team because it it might take four years for them to get steady burn as long as they're staying the course and not a, a complete, you know, mess up where we know, you know, he doesn't fit or whatever. But I like the fact that the Knicks, like like Hill said, they they went out and got tips. They they got some core pieces, and now they are looking like a free agent destination. And one is already – it's already New York, so it's the Mecca. And now you bring in a coach. You bring in some players that can get some things done. Hill's been saying this to, to the Knicks fans for a long time. Y'all just need some continuity. Same thing that Tom said about the Giants. You need some continuity to become attractive. And now it's, they looking attractive. I like that point. Um, I think the Knicks have potential to win a series. I don't mm-hmm. know about anything further than that. I think that's probably where they're capped because of the youth. Mm-hmm. I think we look next year and year two, we'll see what they can do. Uh, right now, they're still holding on to the four spot. They're behind Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. I think mm-hmm. you're probably looking at one of those three teams coming out of the East this year. But I want to talk to you guys about Philadelphia and Joel Embiid and um, kind of like how much of an impact do you guys think Dwight Howard has had on Joel Embiid, if any, to help him emerge to that MVP level? Because as you could see, it's been a remarkable transition for him this year as where he was always a really good, excellent all-star type of player. Mm-hmm. But MVP caliber, that's a huge jump. And if he continues to play like that, this Philly being in the top of the East might not necessarily be – um, just a one-year thing. Now, I know they added pieces to the team, but Embiid's taking a huge step forward. I don't necessarily think it's Dwight Howard, although I think Dwight Howard is going to be – Dwight Howard is a lock Hall of Famer. I think it's more so Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers yep. is able to get more out of him, and I think it's also – Hill's going to like this. I think it was Joel Embiid playing with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler really got Joel <laughs> Like Joel and like Jimmy Butler really got Joel and Bead on his shit. Mm-hmm. He loved playing with he loved playing with Jimmy Butler. We see the dog that Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler wanted like he he enjoyed playing there because he liked what they had to offer. But you know sometimes it's a business also, so he had to move on. And so I think really Jimmy Butler brought that out there because you saw what happened. They were one Kawhi shot away from getting to the finals. You know so. I like, and then Joel getting a taste of that kind of really kickstarted him. And then you bring in a coach like Doc Rivers, who is the Tobias Harris whisperer, also 
and got him playing a book out of his mind. It, it only makes sense that they are where they are right now. But also, um, Joe's been a he, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, you know, like like you said, he's had the talent. Absolutely. You know, he's been all star caliber. We just needed him to get to MVP level. Um, so um, can it be some of Doc Rivers? Yes. Can it be some of Dwight Howard? Yes. But I think ultimately it's it's the maturity in Joel for whatever work that he's putting in in the offseason. And it's, and it's, yep, that want to. And it's also a, a little bit of luck, like, you know, with the injury bug. So it's like we always knew if he was on the floor, he would be a problem. And now he's on the floor and he's a problem. So, hey, um, I'm hoping that it's not going to be – a problem for years to come, like like you mentioned in question time, just because I can't stand Philly fans in football or <laughs> basketball. Like Philly oh. fans, Pittsburgh Bro, fans, come to our group. The state of Pennsylvania is <laughs> awful, man. It's awful, yeah. man. We have we have a lot of uh Philly supporters and they are annoying as yeah. hell. Mm-hmm. I, I think the I've obviously it's been stated, you know, Doc Rivers. You know, Jimmy Butler. Um, I'm not going to minimize uh, the effect that Dwight Howard is having. I think because Dwight Howard knows he's solidified in himself now. He's a champion. He knows who he is now. He knows what he knows his role. He knows what to do. So I'm not going to minimize minimize his mm-hmm. impact that he had on 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 Joel. I think I'm going to attribute this to the influence of <laughs> Daryl Morey. And it's funny because I've been critical of Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers because nobody is exempt. We say this all the time. Nobody is exempt from criticism. And the way that they've constructed their teams, well, I'm talking about Daryl Morey now. The way he's constructed his team, he's, he's been heavy on the analytics. He's been way too heavy on the analytics. And it's been detrimental to his team. I think the fact that he has, uh, he's working with Elton Brand Mm-hmm. So he can bring his analytics like Cannon always says mm-hmm. that you take the analytics and bring it to a guy that knows basketball mm-hmm. because Elton, <laughs> right. Elton Brand knows basketball. Elton absolutely. Brand absolutely. Elton Brand's a good GM. Yeah. So absolutely. The influence you putting shooters around MB. Now it's letting him have more spacing. It's letting Ben Simmons be who he is. It's mm-hmm. letting everybody play their significant role. So now that they know Joel's the big dog, and they got, and like you said, you can't really load up and defend him. He's free. He's free to explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was key for Philadelphia this year. The talent has always been there. It was more so for me the shooters there, and and obviously Brett Brown. I don't, I don't think a lot of people agree that he was the guy. And Doc Rivers coming there is a huge upgrade. But the shooters, like Seth Curry, obviously shadowed by Steph for all the mm-hmm. obvious reasons, but he hasn't shot below forty two percent from the three point line his entire career. Mm-hmm. That's how good of a three point shooter he's been. He's been a sniper, and although Danny Green has been the laughing stock of the Lakers last year, he's yep. forty from behind the arc. Hey, Dale Curry's That's elite, the man. Dale Curry know how to make him, man. God, <laughs> he don't. We, we want to talk about Steph and Seth, not <laughs> he don't miss. That's what I'm saying. So, like that, their family numbers is ridiculous from behind the arc. But the no, thing I'm, about, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna go there. But the thing about uh putting like I said, just putting shooters around him, like I said, they got defensive players. And like I said, Doc Doc Rivers deserved every criticism that we gave him last year. But he still walks into that building with credibility. Like 
Joel can show up out of shape last year and other years and, you know, not really care, be playful. Mm-hmm. Have, we really, have we really seen Joel, like, playful this year? No. Or has he been about business? He's been locked in. Right. Doc Rivers comes in with credibility with that raspy-ass voice and, mm-hmm. you know. Boy, <laughs> need some – that yeah, dog some lotion. Yeah. Hey, hey, let me ask y'all this. How, how, how can they hear – how can NBA players hear Doc Rivers on the floor? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I've always wondered this because we can't hear him with the sound bite and the, and the boom mics. There's no way that they are push listening it, it. to what Doc Rivers is saying during a game, especially during a non-pandemic time. There's no way. They look. They look. They looking for. They looking for the whiteboard, and that's it. That's a good point. Yep. <laughs> Doc Rivers is an interesting man. Excellent head coach, though. <laughs> uh, we do have a couple comments. Justin Kearns, shout out to him. I know, Kyle, you're on his basketball show, which airs tomorrow on JDF Sports. Make sure to Buckets. go check them out. Buckets. Oh, JDF. Yep. A lot of pain for him, though. Jalen Brown lost for the season last night with a torn yeah, ligament in his Stop. left wrist. Yeah. Go ahead, Chuck. I, and I was ready to pick um, Boston. I'm like, go ahead and get him in the playoffs. Yeah. You know. This is one of Cannon's favorites saying, get it, get me in the dance and cut the music on. Yeah. I, I was ready to predict, you know, they're going to upset some teams, but they now, need Jalen, bro. Now without Jalen, I'm I'm sorry. Should have used those draft picks. He's the guy that, that doesn't let them get bullied. Like he yeah, doesn't yeah. back down from anybody. Um, you need basically an enforcer. You need a guy like that in the playoffs, and he can score too. So it's like, how many enforcers can score? That's a rare. That's a rare piece to lose, man, going to a playoff. So I don't yeah. know what I don't know what we about to really see what Brad can do with his coaching, you know, this year because this is the tightest, like AJ said, Bron is going to the East is it's tight this year. I don't know who's coming out. Hopefully Milwaukee. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see Milwaukee more than anybody else come out. Yeah. Or the Knicks. If the Knicks can miraculously come out, which I don't think they have the power to, but I would rather see them than yeah. Then. I I I think it's Milwaukee's time. Like it I better hope be. So. Yeah. I mean, they had a lot of woes in in the playoff, but once again, they 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 upgraded their team or they changed their team from the other teams that they had those woes with in the playoffs. Now you get them in, like you get me in the dance. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna crank this music yeah. up, and, yeah, and and they're not scared of Brooklyn. Yeah. No, they didn't. They, they went up there. Yeah. twice. Yeah, we beat them twice this past week. And that's what I'm saying. Y'all have chemistry. Brooklyn yeah. doesn't have chemistry. Yeah? yeah, Brooklyn is winning and it's cute and all that, but the playoff is a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee has chemistry and they're ready to fight. You got to go beat Milwaukee. Still, you got to go beat Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm with Milwaukee on this one. So before we get to those predictions, just want to make a quick point: the Knicks will be playing the Lakers tonight. LeBron James will be returning to action for LA. Not um, not tonight. He's no, taking no, another night. Oh, no, it's taking another night off. Yeah, he's, he's taking another uh, night off. What, what does that take? take does he think he's time, too bro. The, is he too good for the Knicks, or is he actually hurt? What's the take on that, real quick? I, you gotta I, be hundred percent, man. I, I, I need, I need, I need Braun hundred percent. Whatever, so take whatever time that you need. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, it's a playoff. It, we're going to be in the playoff tournament more than likely. So, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, just whoa, just whoa, get ready. Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, we're not. It's looking like it, man. We we no, seven. We're not. We are one. We are one game back. <laughs> I thought we. I, I just. You sure we? It looked like we more than one game back from Portland. We are one game back from Portland. A game and a we, half. 
Yeah. Uh, a game and a half. They're going to lose some games and we're going to win some games. It, I'm not, yeah, but we lost to them. That's why I kind of. That's what. That's what kind of hurt it for me. Well, I mean, I mean, I have. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. I'm a real y'all in this time because I, I know how we can get. But no, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not like arguing this. with. I'm not arguing with him on it. Like I, I do believe, but I'm just saying. Like if it's looking like we could be a possible playing tournament, but I actually yeah. like. I like because of what Hill says. I always say, get them in the dance and turn the lights on. I like this playoff format. I like that teams nine and ten, teams that are on a bubble, have an opportunity to really be in the playoff. I really like that. And for those teams that are eight, that that barely limp in sometimes, that don't yeah. deserve it, you're good. You, if you really don't deserve it, you're not going to make it now. So I feel like this format is going to give the fans the best overall teams in the playoffs for the first round. So I do like the format. That's an excellent point. Um, we do have a few more comments. Um, Mark is picking Philly. Question. Uh, Brooklyn-Milwaukee second-round matchup in how many games? I mean, I'd have to imagine if I had to put money on it, I mean, it'd probably go Brooklyn. But um, What the hell type of fan are you, Tom? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look. There, I couldn't believe that. Kyle's been, had to put it, money? <laughs> Kyle's been shoving it down my throat all year Listen, that Brooklyn's got, going to the finals. Brooklyn's I, going to the finals. You know what finals. it is? I, I believe in Milwaukee, too. But at the end of no, the day, you don't. If you, no, no, you absolutely don't. I believe, I really lo- I'll say this is that, and I said it, they needed to replace Bledsoe. They got one of the best two-way players in basketball in Drew Holiday. And not only has he been fantastic defensively, but offensively, the man shows up every single night, which mm-hmm. Bledsoe did not do. <laughs> Where this comes into factor, where I think that you know you that argument for six, seven games, and maybe even beating Brooklyn, is again they got nobody in the paint to stop Giannis. That's why the Heat last year were able to beat the Bucs. is because mm-hmm. they put they put Bam on Giannis, and Giannis was not an MVP. Mm-hmm. Giannis was doing absolutely nothing. They traded Brooklyn away doesn't have down, right? Yeah, yeah, they don't have anything. They don't have anything. So you could shoot the lights out, which I think that again, I think they'll wind up doing it with James yeah. Harden if he's healthy. But that's six, seven games right there. That, that, that's no argument. Yeah, I mean – Chemistry. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Tom. The, pe- the, uh, the pessimistic approach here for me is just that the Bucks have not showed up in the playoffs since losing that Toronto series. So it's kind of the negativity is just ingrained in your head. So that's where I'm coming from with that. Come but on, Tom. I do yeah. think Gian- – look, Giannis is playing – we did lose a lot of our bench until the second half of the season to, you know, get things going. I'm a little concerned with Jeff Teague. Uh, that I think we downgraded a little bit from DJ Augustine to Jeff Teague, not from talent-wise, but chemistry-wise on the bench. They're still trying to get acclimated to him running that second unit. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. And uh, Mark here saying Brooklyn will not make the Eastern Conference Finals. That's bold as well. Um, although maybe it's not because we just talked about a possible Brooklyn-Milwaukee yeah. matchup. Yeah, that could be the one team they don't want to face. That's below them. When you think about a James Harden is not back yet, think about you know him, Kyrie, KD. They haven't played enough games yet together. Yeah. Together, like they the chemistry. Like this is not pickup basketball. Playoff basketball, they actually game plan for you. They actually practice for you. They're actually going to have time to practice this time. Like just, playoff, just for you. Remember when the heat? Remember when the Heatles first got together? They they just thought, oh, give them the title already. No. Yeah. When they when they faced a team that had depth, knew their rotations, mm-hmm. knew that knew how many men they were gonna bring off the mm-hmm. bench, everybody mm-hmm. knew their role. 
they lost that series because they just felt like, oh, we got the top three, but the other team had, you know, four ten. through four through right. ten. Yeah, they had ten. And so just because you got the top three doesn't mean anything because in a in, in a series game, any like the team is going to come up, and that's like there was a question posed on you know in our in our group you know which is easier to win an NBA championship or NFL Super Bowl and the better team usually wins in the NBA mm-hmm. just because you got the best player the best two players or whatever you have to have a great team as well behind them yeah majority of the time yeah I'm uh, just scrolling through. Mark again. Who can they actually stop on defense? I assume he's talking about Brooklyn. Brooklyn, nobody. Yeah. Nobody. But but here's, you're not but here's the thing. Philadelphia but, either. You're not. You you but, live in yeah. high with Joel dropping forty, but you just hope that the rest of yeah. the shooters don't show up. Yeah, yeah, because Brooklyn's offense is their defense. So it's like, yeah, I do need to stop you. But if I can score like mm-hmm. never before, if you have Harden. Kyrie and KD on the floor actually clicking together where they're all shooting at a high clip or all getting to their spots or all getting their shot off. <laughs> you might not need defense. If but, we can score every time we touch but, the ball. But I have more faith in Philly getting a stop against Brooklyn when they need it versus Brooklyn getting a stop oh, against Philly absolutely. when they need it. Absolutely. And, I'm and playoff basketball, that might be what it come down to. And absolutely. so that's why I think, honestly, I think Philly has that upper hand because, yeah, you know, KD, James, and Kyrie, they, 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 they can get theirs. But if they need to stop and you put somebody and you get and you get up a matchup and say, go out and try and stop him so we can get our shot. Yeah, I think Philly has a better shot at making a stop than Brooklyn does. That's true. And that's why I always thought that Jordan was the greatest because Jordan could actually make a defensive play in the clutch. It's like, we we don't have the ball. Like, we got to get the ball. So it's like, he could get that steal from Reggie Miller. He could do those things. So it's like, that's very they true. I'm not going to call a foul on him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> guys, I know we've been on for a while tonight. I just have one more question for all of you guys before we um, begin to wrap this up. Utah. Seven and six. Oh, sorry. Well, I was actually just getting there. Utah and Phoenix, top two seeds in the West. You know, a little su- a little surprising to some that both L.A. teams aren't up there. Obviously, Denver uh, is down to four with the absence of Jamal Murray, but that hurts. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, I'm gonna miss Jamal Murray in the playoff show. Yeah, I mean Jokic can only good. carry them so far. I think they probably get a series at best uh, yeah. with him. Maybe even not. I, depending on that matchup, I don't. What know. if they play Dallas? That's that's tough. Yeah. Then then Luca's gonna tear them up. Yeah, because yeah. they don't have anybody to match up with him. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but uh, Phoenix, right? Chris Paul is the only player on their current roster that was in the that was in the NBA the last time they made the playoffs which mm-hmm. I believe don't they I don't know if it's the longest but I know it's one of the longest playoff droughts in the NBA that dates back to 09 to 2010 could one of these top two teams in particular the Suns represent the Western Conference in the finals Tom I don't know if you know this but AJ it happens to be a Suns fan <laughs> I think I didn't know that. <laughs> Nobody knows because they don't talk about it. <laughs> Look, man, don't talk about that. It, it, it gets exhausting from 
having to defend the Bengals, who I mean, there's so many Steelers fans in, in our group. I, I know so many Steelers fans, and we've just been historically shitty and having to, to deal with that. And it's just like, okay, the Suns have been irrelevant for almost a decade. And so now I gotta I gotta defend two irrelevant franchises. So now that we're good, it's just like, okay, it's kind it's it's kind it's kind of a lot. It's so hard it's to lot. believe, huh? It, it, it's 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 a lot on my plate. <laughs> and <laughs> As much, as much as, you know, they're going to say, like, I, I'm also one of those fans. I, I don't just give blind optimism. I'm going to be 100% real and, uh, and, and objective. It's possible. Yes, the Suns can definitely represent the West. But it's also going to determine on the matchups that we get from this Absolutely. playing game. Absolutely. Because when it comes to playoff, when it comes to playoff basketball, you're going to need more than one player to, you know, get their own shot. And in this in in this system that we have, Chris Paul hasn't really been getting his own shot, and Devin Booker's production has gone down with Chris Paul, and See, so he has not wanted his own shot exactly. Since, and so since he, last year, a lot of stuff has just been in the flow of the offense, a lot of elbow sets and stuff like that. And as you saw when we played the Lakers yesterday, what was it yesterday? It was just like, or was it what's today Tuesday? So I think it was uh, yesterday. So. It was just kind of like they were very passive and no one was really trying to go out and get their own. Defensively, we can match up with a, like a lot of teams in the West and cause tons of problems. But when it comes to offensively, who they put on Devin Booker can cause a lot of problems. If you put a long athletic person on Devin Booker, things are going to look a little bit different than what they have all season. So, yes, I absolutely think we can. But if it comes to us getting the Clippers, our healthy Lakers team is going is, is going to be is going to be ugly for us. I I I really wanted to see the the Mavericks or the Blazers round one, but yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Coming into the season, um, preseason Phoenix was they're my dark horse not 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 to make the finals, but um, just to be you know. A lot, a lot better, yeah, competitive and a lot better than they have been. Do to answer your question, Tom, do I think that there's a chance? There, there's a chance, especially if you get to the dance. There's a chance for every team that that makes it, right? Um, and there's and there's a pretty decent chance, especially because AJ, you said like if we have to face a healthy LA. But the thing is, like, I'm telling you right now, LA is not healthy, bro. So if you do face LA, I I doubt it will be a healthy LA. So Utah's not healthy, so it's like, you know, Dallas. You got to be afraid of out, out, out yeah. west, but it's like I'm not. I mean, for y'all, of all, say, of all teams, I'm not afraid of Dallas because I think we, I think we, I think best we match up with Dallas and Portland. I agree, y'all do match up best, but I feel like they, they're, they're the healthy. They might be the healthiest team out west, other than y'all. You feel me? So. I'd love to play all of them on the road to the finals. And that's why I say it's a chance. I'd be a, I'd be a lot more confident. <laughs> but that's why I say it's a chance. So it's like, but we'll see. It's just, well, the Lakers are the seven, right? So if they win, they'd play Phoenix, I'm assuming, in right the first now, round. Right now, mm-hmm. we're the seven seed. Yeah. Right. So if they hold on to that seven or if, if we they beat stay, Golden State, we would have to beat Golden State to play Phoenix. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, regardless – no Clay Thompson, but it's still going to be a challenge, regardless. With the way Steph playing, yeah, I, I, I'd much rather, I'd much rather the Lakers be the eight 
and Golden State be the seventh or something like that. Yeah, Adrian Listen, doesn't want to play. Uh, I don't want to play the Lakers. Anthony, Anthony Davis the other night killed DeAndre Ayton in the paint. Absolutely. Yes, yes, he did. This and this, this is what I'm talking about. Finally had a good game, man. I mean, you know, it's bad. I mean, they're playing Dario Saric, who, to my recollection, is not the most lethal defender, even back to his days in Philadelphia. I, I feel like if you're going to be a championship team, uh, DeAndre Ayton has to be out there. Yeah. So here, here's here's the th- here's the thing about DeAndre Ayton. He's too fucking passive. He 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 like he'll have his games where he goes and he 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 becomes a dog, but he disappears. He doesn't he doesn't really have it. If De- if DeAndre Ayton was seventy percent of the aggression that Joel Embiid played with, I'd pick us like no question to to come out of the West. But just it's so many games that he disappears, he gets bullied on the boards. And so seeing DeAndre Aiden against Anthony Davis, seeing DeAndre Aiden against Jokic, oh, cancel him out like Nino. It's over, baby. Like, he is a non-fucking factor. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, they continue to use this type of lineup late in games, but – I think Phoenix has a legit shot. It's crazy the transition they've made over the past couple of years. But guys, we've talked a lot now. Hour forty five minutes in. Any? Uh, I want each of you um, to give me your your final thoughts uh, on this and anything else you want to add. And of course, plug uh, the Three Man Weave podcast again so that everybody can know where they can check that out. But uh, Ken, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Hill, and then AJ, and then uh, we will wrap this up. All right, my um final thoughts is first always go go Lake Show, um go Washington football team. Uh, I would say go Yankees, but it's like right now we have COVID running rampant. So uh, yeah, um, but I want to send a special shout out to Kyle and Tom. Review and preview, you guys, y'all the real deal. Thank you for having us. Um. Hopefully we can come back and do it again. And hopefully you guys will come on our show and we could do it that way. So the love is reciprocated. Um, but it's been a pleasure just to come up, talk sports with you guys. I love what you guys are doing with your platform. So keep doing your thing and hopefully we can keep supporting each other and keep it going. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Any, anytime. Hill, uh, anything else you want to add before uh, we wrap this up tonight? Uh, I know you and I we've been we've been chatting it up for a couple months now, just about sports in general. So yeah, um, like I said, it was only it was only a matter of time that we connect. Like you said, we're going to definitely uh, reciprocate the love. You know, to talk about some NFC. We're going because we're going to have to talk about the NFC East talk. You know, like a round table going. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. had to get that going. Um, I'm gonna just like I'm gonna just say keep it short. You know, the Lakers will not be playing in the play in game. I'm going, <laughs> okay, I'm going, I'm, going, I'm, going to, I'm going to go document that so we can, you know, run the tapes if I'm wrong or if I'm right. And like I say, three man we we here. Appreciate hey, appreciate my guy Tommy. Kyle, you know you my guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right, Tom, Kyle, once again, man, thank you for having us on. I just want to say um, Joe Burrow is going to be the comeback player of the year. And whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that Prescott's still in the league. I just want to say Joe Burrow is going to be the comeback player of the year. That Prescott's yeah. still in the league, bro. I just want to say can, – can, I'm trying to can, – can we get up out of here? You had your time, and I didn't say not a word. <laughs>
But you want you the one that want to ask about was he was he worth what he worth? You gonna find I, out what he worth when he went uh, that bad again. Yeah. Joe, you gonna have to get some Joe. more final words. Get some different right final words. <laughs> Joe Burrow will be the comeback player of the year, and you will see why we drafted Jamar Chase over Penesel. Sons and six. <laughs> All right, first That's- round. I didn't say which round, just in six. Okay. <laughs> Folks, make sure to go check out the Three Men Weave podcast. That is with AJ Hill and Cannon. Want to thank the three of you again one more time. Kyle, anything you want to add? No, great show, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Very entertaining, as always. And make sure to check out the Three Men Weave and make sure to check out Review Preview as well. Some great stuff, guys. I had a great time tonight. We could have gone on with that NFC Giants talk. They could have been the whole freaking show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's making good points. I love, I love, you know, just talking, talking sports or any topics with you know people who are going to be thoughtful, objective, and uh, fact based. So, logic. You know, I respect we can logic. Do it any t- yeah, we could do it anytime. Like when, t- like I want to tell you, Tom, when you said I give my quarterback three years, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm done like, with Daniel. I'm I done like with that. Daniel Jones. I'm done with Daniel Jones' criticism until until <laughs> yeah. after this year. <laughs> oh, next year yes we will have we, I, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys know it's a lot of things that happen on three-man weave one of them that doesn't happen is us forgetting stuff we remember <laughs> and we will bring it back up absolutely guys again thank you so much really appreciate the time and i will talk to the three of you all soon really appreciate three-man weave podcast go check them out on facebook live instagram twitter i believe you guys are up on you guys have a youtube Yes, yes, sir. Man, we podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to their YouTube channel. Really appreciate it, fellas. Have a good one. All right, you Thank too, you. man. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. All right, Kyle. So I didn't have a giant segment planned tonight, but we ended up making one. Listen, <laughs> so. man, when things can be spontaneous, that's when stuff gets fun. We don't we listen, script keeps us on track, but spontaneousness, or I think that's a word. Keeps us keeps us entertaining, keeps the flow going. I mean, that's the comment section was flooding, baby, when that happened. That's yeah. it was absolutely flooding. All right, Kyle. Um, and again, Daniel, thank you so much for the comment. Love both of uh us. Really appreciate it. Three men weed is the real deal. Uh yeah, that's the best time when we go off the script. That's exactly how it rolls. You know, even if things go a little long, um, you know, I I really, really think that um that's when we're at our best. Just let the conversation flow. But folks, remember, join Hank and Dictor tomorrow night. On uh, Not tomorrow night, sorry. Uh, Thursday night, he was on Wednesday last week. Thursday night for our weekly baseball show, Hitting for the Cycle, which is hosted by him. And then tune in next week. We have a special episode planned with a Buffalo Bills beat reporter who you've all seen once before. If you watched our video, Greg Thompson of the Cover One podcast will be joining us next week around 8.30 p.m. Eastern time to talk some Buffalo Bills. And we'll talk about the AFC East, and that will be the last of our NFL draft talk for now. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This was a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. I got to get over to the sports box. I'm going live in about nine minutes at 9 p.m., so make sure to check that out. Really appreciate it. Folks, thank you all so much for watching. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Have a good night, everybody.